Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're talking about Three Identical Strangers today, which is a documentary, um, partially dramatised but essentially documentary, about... Well, it's it's easy to spoil, so I'll, I'll give a praise of how the film kind of begins. You begin with this guy who was born in 1961, uh, who is now... However you're old, if you were born in 1961. He's 19 in the film. No, I mean now, literally today. 57. Right. Yeah, he's now 57. And um, and he's he's the subject of a documentary speaking directly to the audience through the camera, and he says, "When I was nineteen in nineteen eighty, I went to this new school, and everyone started greeting me. Mm. They said, oh, uh, Eddie, how are you? Great to see you.' And I said, what, "What are you talking about? I don't know who any of you people are." And it very quickly transpires that he uh, was separated at birth from an identical twin, um, and they discover this identical twin. Uh, the story makes it into the papers, and through the papers, uh, a third of the pair, <laughs> a mm. triplet, um, shows up. There were, there were these three triplets who were separated at birth from in 1961, and the story uh, their, their their story develops as to how how you know, how they grew up, the various families that they uh, were adopted by. Um, where they come from, they're all from New York. They all live within about a hundred mile radius of each other. So at one point, um, but they, they, uh, one is from a kind of upper class family, one is from a middle class family, is one from a blue collar family. Mm. Um, but they, you know, they all seem to be completely identical. Like they all like the same cigarettes, they have the same taste in women, and they act the same, and they think the same, and so on and so forth. And they all see they look identical. They kind of glue onto each other immediately. Mm. They become this uh, inseparable uh, group. Um, and I guess, you know, this is where uh, spoiler territory will have to come in because um, from then on, uh, there are developments. Why were they separated? The question yes. is asked. Why were they separated? The parents are really angry about it. Yes. Um, and they want to know why this uh, Jewish adoption agency, they're, they're, all, they're, they're Jewish kids, and it's, a, it's, it's this premier adoption agency in New York for Jewish kids in particular. I why remember- did they separate them? What happened? And... That is the very basic pricey. We will have to get into spoiler territory very quickly. Yeah, we're now spoiling everything. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to know what you thought. Well, uh, what I was going to say is that I remember reading about this when it came out. You know, when it was revealed, I Back remember reading. I remember reading a story, a People magazine story, in either 1980 and 1981, when all of this was being advertised about how amazing it was. You know, uh, and it really was a a nature versus nurture argument in which what was seen to be amazing was people's genetic legacies i.e you know these kids that had been separated for 19 years and yet they walked alike they had the same you know uh, uh taste in clothing they love the same colors they smoke the same brand of cigarettes mm. i the terrain that this film goes over and over and over again right so kind of the film shows an awful lot of footage from TV appearances and things at the time. That's right, them, on Donahue and of them know, showing off this, yeah. these, these, this, this likeness between them. That's right. So and obviously all that was emphasised was the likeness, uh, not the differences, which is one of the points that the film makes. But narratively, the film structures a mystery, yes. which is very interesting. So you know, uh, so initially it's made to seem as a happy accident, then it becomes kind of rather sinister, right? Because why did this agency 
put triplets with different families rather than putting them together. And then that's rationalized away, right? But then kind of you find out that in fact, kind of they're part of a study. Mm. And, you know, the families have never been told that they were part of the study, right? So, you know, uh, and you have kind of people coming in to check on the children and the children are followed and films are being made of them. And, you know, the family's given one story, but actually kind of basically this is an aspect they, they realize eventually that they've been part of an experiment yeah. right and an experiment that has particular protocols you know so actually part of the protocols is to put them with families of a different class part of the protocol is also to give them each an adopted sister that's just a couple of years older right and presumably there are other uh, identical twins or identical triplets that are fulfilling kind of, you know, uh, a different role in this study. So then well, we, do, we see we see a, a different pair of identical twins, women. Who, that's right. Who I recognise actually. I didn't I didn't know the um, the guys, but I did recognise them. That they, they they released a book in the last ten years or so, mm. which I had vaguely heard of. So they were familiar to me. That's right. But, um, yeah. So so the film is one of all kinds of resonances because the first thing one thinks about actually, is Dr. Mengele, <laughs> right? Kind of, you know, of like kind of, you know, experiments on, yeah, the kind of, you know... Well, particularly on Jewish people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Uh, and except, of course, this has a, another resonance because really you're playing with people's lives. You're using people's lives, mm -hmm. you know, as a, an aspect of a study and you're doing it all without their consent or their permission only 10 years or, you know, 20 years after Dr. Mengele had done, well, they were, in his case, they were genetic experiments and, you know, and well, so, so many things. Yeah, there were so many things. But actually, with the legacy of that and with that being so recent history, for a Jewish agency, you know, and a Jewish... Jewish doctor. Doctor. A Peter, to be, Peter Neubauer, who was Austrian-born and actually fled the Holocaust. That's right. To be engaged in experiments... That are not a million miles divorced from that, yeah, is very weird and disturbing. Yes, um, I, um, but I have a number of issues with the film. Well, so do I. But let's hear um, yours first. Well, I've I've got a whole kind of uh, legion of <laughs> take um, your notes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> as to the Holocaust, the references are clear. Um, these are particularly Jewish uh, children that are being uh, experimented on. As yes. I said, this comes from a Jewish adoption agency, and they're placed with Jewish families. Yes. Um, so there is there is more than a flavour of the Holocaust, even beyond just the playing with people's lives aspect. Um, and there are two points at which you meet um, people who were involved in the study. One is this uh, lady, obviously they're very old now, but one is this lady... And one's a guy, and they both mention they they both make some sort of reference to I wasn't in charge of it. I was only there for a bit. I didn't. I wasn't there at the beginning. Yes, you know which. And I whispered to you in the cinema. You know they were only following orders. It's, right? it's, it's it has very much that feel. Yeah, yes. a very distinct feel of, of that. Um, and they offer you know kind of some defences of of the study. Um, but I think it takes more than making reference to the Holocaust. 
which the film does explicitly as well as implicitly. There mm. are character, not characters. There are people uh, interviewed who literally say the word and, and mm. talk about the, the similarity. So it's it's not something the film is trying to just imply. Mm. It's right there. I think it takes more than that to actually build a case as to why this was an evil thing to do. And I don't think the film does. I think so. I have complete sympathies with the subjects, the, the families, and the kids who are being studied. I have complete sympathies with them. But I do not think that the film makes a convincing case for why it was an evil thing to do or why such studies shouldn't be done. I think the film assumes that we will uh, just agree with that and doesn't bother to actually investigate that. And I, I find that a real problem. Okay, well, let me, um, let me give you my view, my take on it, which is actually that I think it was unethical and unconscionable. I think you're right that maybe uh, the connection to the Holocaust that the film makes and that I was making a little while ago might be extreme. And actually, I think you're right. One has to be careful about those things. Um, But um, the film makes it explicit to me why it's unethical to do that. You know, A, because it is people's lives, because you don't know the effects that certain things are going to have on them. Uh, because it went against the ethos of both the adoption agency and what the adoption agency was telling the parents or not telling the parents. Absolutely true. That's very true. So, so the, you know, all of that was unethical, you know, now, you know, kind of how far you want to take, you know, the metaphor of playing with people's lives or um, using people as experiments. I'd rather drop the Holocaust thing, to be honest, because I think it is actually quite basic and it's not something that is is actually hugely interesting. And I don't think the film makes much of it. I I think the film uses it, but it feels extremely manipulative to me and I don't think it actually makes much of it. So I'd rather actually drop that part of it now that we've acknowledged that it's there. (laughs) Good, Um, let's move forward. um, You're absolutely right that um, the, 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 the lying... To, to the parents. Yeah, so there's this, there's this thing about um, uh, once the kids had all met at the age of 19 and started to go on together, the parents are asking, well, what happened? And they went to the adoption agency. I can't remember the, the name of it. So uh, It's the Louise something. But anyway, it's not important. But yeah. it was the biggest yes. adoption Jewish adoption agency in the East Coast. And again, they it was, say... It was Premier. It was, yeah. yeah. The cream of the cream. And ostensibly very powerfully connected and so on. Though yeah. one of the things that I hate about the film is they tend to say things like very powerfully connected and well, who are they connected to? Yes. <laughs> right? Like, now, you know, who are these powerful people or these powerful connections? Uh, right. That's another issue. But uh, they, they go they go to, uh, to the, you know, this is, a, this is a serious issue and they meet the board members, uh, the parents do. And, um, and it's explained to them that if they tried to put the kids up as a triplet, a set of triplets for adoption, um, it would be very difficult to place all three with one family. Mm-hmm. And the one, the, the actually the blue-collar dad, who is this one that you uh, that is uh, called a bubbler, yes. uh, which, is, which is Yiddish for kind of friendly and life-affirming, mm-hmm. whatever, all that sort of stuff. He's, you know, he's the dad. Loving, they, yeah. they, um, they all, once, they, once the other two meet him, they, they kind of graft onto him as well. And he yes. says, I have two more sons. He seems like a lovely bloke. Mm. Uh, he, he's unfortunately not able to be interviewed because by the time the film has been shot, um, he's uh, passed away. But um, you know, in this meeting, he says, "Well, I would have had all three, obviously." Yes. You know, so like it's bullshit that the the explanation that's given. But they kind of leave with it because what option do they have? Mm. And then one of the parents, having realised that he's left his umbrella, um, goes back inside and sees the, these board members cracking open a bottle of champagne mm. um, and kind of toasting that they've dodged a bullet. 
Um, which, uh, well, there's hearsay in that, obviously. Like, you're having to trust what this guy said, but it's also completely believable. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, they don't have a motive to, no. to you know, tell you this other No, especially when you consider the kind of further developments of, yes. of the plot. Um, so, so that aspect to the, the, um, the lack of ethics in this twin study is clear and it's self-evident. Um, I think it's a problem with the film that actually so much of it is just self-evident and the film fails to build a case for anything else. Yes. Um, uh, because like I say, I think that such studies being done may well be unethical, may well be unethical in every case, but I don't think the film demonstrates that. Well, I think the film demonstrates how this particular instance was unethical. This particular instance. Uh, so I don't think that the film makes... Well, you know, I don't think the film makes a, a convincing argument that they should never be done under any circumstances. I mean, that would be foolish, mm. you know. But I think, I think to me, it does actually demonstrate why uh, this was wrong with these with these three kids and actually how they suffered from it, right? Uh, the film then also makes claims mm. that I think the film is almost unethical in kind of alluding things to things that it in itself does not prove. So, for example. One of the arguments that the film tries to get you to leave with without really offering any evidence is that these children all suffered from mental illness to one degree or another and that this was the result because they had been chosen for the study on the basis of their parents previously having had issues with Mm. mental illness. The mother in particular. Well, but also they mentioned the other children. They mentioned the other children. Yeah. But, so, but again, yeah. it kind of, you know, they can't find proof for it. Absolutely. You know, so they take, I, the film takes one instance of the first meeting of the triplets, meeting with their mother and saying, she drank as much as we did and we were only 19 and could yeah. handle it, to then extrapolate all kinds of things that you're never given reasons for. Yeah, well, at one point, and I really, I really, really, really hate the filmmaker who's the one asking the questions behind the camera. You do hear his voice occasionally. Mm. He's an English guy, and I just found out from... There's an interview with him on DP30 on YouTube, and he says at the start he's 39 years old. Right. So he's kind of young-ish. Right. And, um, and not as old as these guys, certainly. And um, I found him just to be a horrible prick, because... <laughs> Don't mince words. No, I didn't, didn't like it at all. So he, <clears throat> and again, hugely manipulative. And, you hear, and it's not just through the filmmaking, which is hugely manipulative, but also through through the questions that he occasionally asks. Because mm. most of the time it's just uh, what appears to be unprompted kind of uh, uh, speech from the various subjects. But occasionally you, his voice pops in asking a question to prompt an answer. Um, and it's and it's the, that point where he says, um, do you think that your mother may have had um, uh, mental issues? Something along those lines. Mm. And... Uh, and it's David who's the kind of who's the the the, the blue the blue collar son who's the um, he's my favorite he's my favorite he's a very entertaining one so and very talkative and very Jewish and very um, intelligent and yeah hugely intelligent and and he really doesn't want to give an answer to that you can tell mm. you know what the filmmaker wants is for him to say something like yes maybe maybe she did. Yeah. which is eventually what he kind of talks him ra- talks himself around to saying but he's very hesitant. Yes. He says, I don't know, uh, I guess maybe maybe she yeah. did. Like, the one thing that you are expecting to have spoken about is alcoholism, because basically the only time the mother comes into the film is to say, we met her, 
uh, we found out that she, this was a prom night fling, so she was very, very young, and she'd have to give up three triplets, and there's this implication of her being an alcoholic because she keeps up with them while they're drinking very heavily. But that that's could it. just be nerves at meeting her three children that she hadn't met for 19 years. I mean, that's that absurd. Well. Because then they go on to you say know. that actually she didn't form a very big part of our lives after that, and again, it's just, it's left. It's not, there's no further investigation of that. So it is it is okay implied for you to say, and but it's, it's 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 that bit where it's the it's the filmmaker getting the uh, subject coercing the subject, coercing the subject I think a particular direction and there's one and there's another point uh, which, which is another very heavily kind of manipulative point where you've already seen some you've seen an interview with the guy who was involved in the study who they've been able to interview where he talks about um, there was no talk of mental illness while I was there at least and he says. With us, it was about the parents. We were yes. not, not only were we studying the children, but we were studying the way they were parented and what difference that yeah. made. And he and he says the thing about placing adopted sisters with them all, being a kind of uh, control group. This is how the film demonstrates how unethical it all is, because they're affecting the protocol, you know, the the control group lives. Mm. The parents are under surveillance without knowing about it, you know, and the children themselves. Yeah. are kind of being put in situations that are not necessarily about their well-being, but actually, you know, in, in only in terms of providing a good study. Yeah. You know. And the point uh, where uh, that I'm getting to of the, the director being, again, manipulated very heavily, is that uh, the, the footage that he's shot of the interview with the guy explaining this, that we place these, these daughters um, deliberately... Um, is shown to the two surviving brothers. One of them committed suicide, so again, he's not in the film. So the two surviving brothers, um, Bobby and David, are shown this footage on a laptop, and it's the first time they've seen it. Mm. And and it's it's a shock to them, clearly, right? Um, that they've just discovered that the, the sisters were a, a part of this kind of conspiracy too. And, and the director says something like, how does it make you feel watching that? I'm going, why do you need to prop that? Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, on top of the fact that you're putting this out as like this very, very, I know it's a film and I know that it's, it's been kind of presented for me to, to see interesting whatever things, but it feels way too intimate and way too personal and, and like I say, emotionally manipulative mm. to be showing that and to be doing that to these people. Yes. Well, what to do I... it to them on camera. Yes. Well, what I hated about the film... And actually, I quite liked, you know, I, I think it's a film of interesting ideas, but to me, there, there are real problems with it. Uh, and, but the thing that, I, you know, I, I hated about it is that, you see, the bulk of the film is these triplets, yeah. right? And I think they're all lovely, and it's wonderful to see them, you know, meeting each other at 19 and going clubbing. And it's almost like, you know, they've got a ready-made family and ready-made friendships and you know, there's kind of like a joy in kind of what's evoked through that meeting, right? There's a huge amount of joy in the first third of the film. That's right. And then stuff happens. And you don't know what. Mm. You know, like, kind of... So, you know, the, the film sets you up to love these kids, get involved in their story, find them so interesting, set up these dynamics and relationships between each other and their own families. And, you know, and then as soon as things become difficult... The film backs off 
and leaves you without knowing anything, mm. right? So you, you actually don't know why one of them committed suicide. You don't know yeah. why one of them left their business and went on his own and never spoke to them again. You don't know kind of why they re-meet again for this film. You, you, mm. you have a sense that like something happened, it's a major thing, right? And so, you know, what, if the whole first third is about this joy in finding each other, then what happened? Mm. It seems to me a fundamental question. Yeah. You know, uh, that the film... The film offers is, some vague things. So it's, it, it offers this vague thing about mental illness and the suggestion that they all um, suffer from depression. And particularly Eddie, um, the brother who kills himself, uh, is kind of, he seems to have been diagnosed after the fact as manic depressive. Um, but again, it's kind of... It's just but what of, happened? Exactly. It's just kind of offered by the film. And, and you're supposed to just kind of go, okay, okay. What you see is a very gregarious, charming person who's just gotten married, who's a child, whose ex-wife says, you know, he was so charismatic and he was the life and joy of the house and he was wonderful with children. And the next thing you know is he's committed suicide. And actually, I think it's fair to ask, why? Yeah. You know, and the film well, like I say, doesn't I think even bother the to question, tell you the, why. The, 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 the problem is that the, the, the film offers us... Um, a very poor answer, which is the film basically wants us to go. He was manic depressive because he was chosen for this study. It seems it, it wants to kind of link these things together, mm. but actually, I think it's a problem in the film that, um, which is this is not entirely the film's fault, right? Um, this study has never been published, and one of the structuring elements to the film is that um, these interviews take place telling the story of what happened b- b- between 1961 and, and basically the present day. And then when it gets to sort of the present day, the interviews end and they go off. And then you're with David in particular, speaking to this Jewish uh, agency and kind of childcare council, whatever it's called, um, trying to get a hold of these records. He says, he says at the, I think it's Yale, at Yale Library, mm. there's 60 boxes worth of the documentation, but it's under sealed till 2066, mm. right? So, and by, but if I can get permission from the agency, from this council, then I can, uh, from this board, then um, I can gain access to them, right? So the film goes from telling you the previous story to stuff's going to happen from now on, which is not, a, which is a perfectly reasonable kind of structure. But what it means is that because all of this stuff has never been published and not been seen and is completely secret, um, anything that could actually explain something is unavailable. It's everything becomes okay. very speculative. But let me. Let me interject here, because I think that's one part of the story. But actually, something that could have been explainable and that the film demands and doesn't give is just the interpersonal relationships amongst the brother. Mm. So, fine, you know, you might never, you know, we might not know the answer of the study, right, and the effect that it had and how much, you know, they were at fault and how structured it was and how much they're the result of an experiment. But actually, what you can know about is... You know, what happened amongst these three brothers? How did they feel yeah. about, you know, what happened? And actually, there's almost like, to me, it felt almost like a longing to know because of how the film had set you up in the first third to really like these people, right? And then it sets you up to really like these people, and then it leaves you in the dark about all of them. Yeah. Well, so I, what I'm kind of getting to, I think if we combine our points, yes. um, what we're kind of saying collectively is that when it comes to uh, talking about what happened to these guys and, and what, what was the source of the problems and so on, um, the film ignores things that it can talk about, 
Yes. The interpersonal relationships and whatever, things that aren't necessarily speculative but are actually based on experience. And it concentrates on things it can't talk about, That's which right. is the things that are in the study that it kind of, uh, that it's, it suggests, oh, so there's, there's mental illness involved. Yeah. But you don't actually know anything, and it's purely speculative on part of the film. And then it tries to make an argument anyway. So, exactly. you know, what it, what it leaves you with is, you know, these parents of these kids saying, you know what, I used to think it was more like nature than nurture. And now I really believe that it's more nurture than nature. And you think, well, fuck me silly, right? Like, how did you come to that conclusion, right? Like, I mean, I it's really just what the film it. wants to say, but actually it's, it hasn't shown you anything to demonstrate any of it. And, it's, and it doesn't follow any kind of thematic through line or yeah. anything like that. Like, it, I mean, I've, God, I hate the ending because it ends up with people saying, you know, it's really nurture. Nurture overcomes everything. And you go, okay, right, you believe that, that's fine. But the film has not been talking about that. Yeah. Not even, not even tangentially. And I mean, it is kind of, it is an interesting question, like... If you ignore the, the the huge ethical boundaries that were crossed um, as to how the study was done, the actual like the point of the study or, or a point a point of the study of discussing nature versus nurture is interesting, mm. but it's not something the film actually does at any point. It's just right at the end, someone picks someone picks it up, and it does something much worse than that, I think, because really what the film does is it tries to lay the blame of Eddie's suicide on his father's parenting skills. Yes. Right? It tells you he was too severe. You know, he was a loving man, so it doesn't want to paint him in a negative, in a completely negative way. Maybe I didn't teach him what he needed to know, the father says. Right? But what the film kind of re is really telling you is, you know, he was too harsh. He was too much of a disciplinarian. The, you know, the kid always felt like he was in the wrong family. Well, perhaps, right? You know, mm. but actually... Maybe he just had a really bad drug experience, right? Maybe he was addicted to some drug that really made him feel down for long periods of time. You don't know. And the film doesn't explore it, right? So actually to not explore it and to lay the blame on somebody who has clearly been a nice person, a responsible parent, mm. right? Yeah, and just kind of leave the blame hanging there, I think is really unethical. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely hate the filmmakers. I hate them, and I, and, and I want to, and I want to mention the, the director's name is uh, his name's Tim Wardle, right. the director, and like I say, he's he's, um, he's English. You can hear from his voice. He's clearly kind of reasonably well educated. He speaks well, and so on and so forth. Mm. And I just found him to be. It was like he, it, like a, like a tourist, like trolling for for story. Mm. I absolutely hate him. And like I say, I I cannot remember seeing such a manipulative film in in a very very long time, if ever. I found it absolutely awful. And it's interesting. I mean. Like I say, I have every sympathy with the with the subjects involved, mm. but I, I don't hate the the two people we saw who were who were participants in the study, as in from the research side. Mm. I didn't hate them, and I and one of the reasons that I didn't hate them was because the film was asking me so blankly to hate them. Mm. Like so, when you're introduced to uh, the old lady for the first time, um, they don't initially get into talking about. Uh, the study, right? When you when you're introduced to most of the uh, most of the interview subjects in the film, it's during an interview. They're sat there and they're talking either at the camera or to mm. the to the you know off camera to the person next to it, like in that classic interview style, right? When you meet her, you're not. When you meet her, you you go to her house and and before you get into the interview, she's showing you um, pictures of her with 
with Michelle Obama and Barack Obama and kind of film stars. Mm. Uh, Robert Redford, I think, is in one of them, right? Yes. And the film is basically like you, the film is set up that she is part of this unethical evil study, yes. and then it's showing you her showing off. Yeah. It's asking you to hate her so strongly, and I really resented it. Right, so I wasn't like, no, I love this woman, but I was saying, no, you have to do more than this. You have to demonstrate. You mm. have to, do. and it, and it wasn't. It was, it was awful. And then I noticed one particular cut during the interview when they get into talking about the study. I forget exactly what she says, but it's offering some form of defence of it, of saying or or explanation of what the study was meant to be. It's a problem that I can't remember exactly what she says, but the thrust of what she says is something that you, as the audience, are are being asked. To see as an evil thing that she doesn't see as evil, yes. you know, like basically something along the lines of "we thought it was fine that we were doing this," right? And then the cut that comes doesn't come quickly, and and I really noticed this. It, it leaves a second or two before it cuts, so that it lets her smile, right? And it's not a smile that necessarily means "oh, I'm evil," yeah. but that's what the film like. It, it is. It, that, I it think felt the, edited I think, so manipulatively. Well, as you know, my memory's not good, but I think yeah. kind of the line was, well, the experiment's not over until everybody dies. Maybe that, I can't remember. Um, so, you know, kind of, yeah. yeah. But, the, but the film is asking you, the film is giving you all these, and, it, and it's, it's, it's shaping itself. Yeah. So as to encourage you to think of these guys as evil and these guys as good. And I'm just not convinced that that's necessarily, necessarily the case. Okay, well, let's... And and so actually, the real evildoers in the film are the filmmakers. Okay. So can we wrap it up then? So this is a film about unethical behavior that actually behaves uh, unethically. Behaves unethically, and which Mike's hates with a passion. I really do. <laughs> and it's not that and it's not only that it, that it's um, uneth- hatefully so, unethical, but it's also that it's. Um, actually as as a film really bad you know like as, as you pointed out quite well it it picks up things and throws them away it doesn't concentrate on the right things it doesn't offer um a kind of conclusions based on evidence or anything like that which as a documentary it should be trying to do it doesn't build convincing cases for anything it assumes your knowledge it assumes your sympathies um and it just kind of it says i want to look like this kind of documentary looks like and it'll win loads of awards because and and there are there are a couple of other minor, more minor things that I didn't like, which are, um, spill them out. Yeah, also uh, <laughs> um, get it off your chest. <laughs> I found the sound mix very heavy. Uh-huh. I don't know about you, but certainly early on, um, when you're first being told the story of how um, uh, Bobby moves schools, there's there's music that is really loud. There's music that's really loud, and there's sound effects that's really loud, like the car driving that actually blocks out some of what he says and you get the feeling that okay some of what he says is not like at that point getting every word is not that important because he's only talking about what the drive was like mm. it's only colour to fill in the storytelling but still it's it it felt like a bad aggressive sound mix to me weirdly. okay and the other thing is um and this I really hated this <laughs> 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 but this is this is grammar Nazi stuff let right? it out no oh, let it go <laughs> this is a grammar Nazi thing right at the end the film the film closes by Putting up a couple of intertitles that say, um, "Now that um, you know, as a as, as oh god, it's it's so self-aggrandizing." As a result of this film, the board is now giving oh, yeah, them yeah, yeah. Uh, giving the guys access to Ooh. ten thousand pages of documents. Whatever. As a result of this film, oh, aren't we great? Yes. And then the other thing it says, and I wrote this down on my phone quickly, so it's roughly speaking what it says. 
It says, um, however, they contain no formal conclusions and have been heavily redacted to protect the identity of the other subjects. Yes. Right? Now, there should be a comma between however and they, which there isn't, and it should be identities of the other subjects, not identity. Okay, you're being a bit of a wanker No, now. I'm not. Because, <laughs> because that is... That actually counts, right? You should... Like, it... it it's stupid. It's, <laughs> it's stupid, and it's badly written. It's like on, on... It's like on panel shows on the BBC when they say, this team have, as opposed to this team has. You know, getting your, getting your conjugations right matters. Okay. I think this is a good moment to wrap up this film. So, uh, I this has been you. a really extended rant by Michael... <laughs> by Michael Glass on kind of the many weaknesses of this film. Um, weaknesses is putting it strongly. Ah, uh, How would you put it? It, sorry, weaknesses is putting it weakly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you're adult. You're, the hatred is addling your mind. It's the question we it, I think it, I'm sure it is absolutely possible to to make a very very strong case that not only this particular study but studies of this nature at all are ethic- ethically wrong. I think this film assumes that of us and and. Um, doesn't put any work into actually demonstrating it, building a case. And there was one other thing, which was there's a, which was an insult, um, <laughs> which was um, that uh, it's it's reasonably early on in the film. It's it's there's a kind of revelation. There's a revelatory plot point where they realise that um, uh, the adoption agency has been manipulating them mm. to. So it's not. It wasn't just that. Uh, they split them up because it was easier to place them, but actually they did this deliberately as, as a study, and and it's done in the form of like a usual suspects kind of um, realization moment, you know, kind of uh, epiphany, and it has loads of flashbacks of like you know of like the kids going, you know, we were just like each other, and it does it like the usual suspects where it shows clips from earlier on, and I thought. Like, there's barely been half an hour, 40 minutes of this film. You're expecting me to have forgotten this stuff? Yeah. It's very, very obvious. And actually, it was an insult to my intelligence as an audience member. The film assumed I was stupid, I think, when it did that. Which, again, <laughs> I really, really take issue okay. with. Okay, I think we've now had about, like, 30 different reasons for hating this it's film. It's horrible. <laughs> and, it, so, and you know what the, the final horrible thing is? Is that absolutely <laughs> everyone seems to love it. Ah, the reviews have been amazing. Okay, well, we'll put a damper on that. Uh, so, this has been eavesdropping at the movies. Uh, we are now at 35 ways to hate. Whatever the fuck this film is. <laughs> Three identical strangers. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We are on... Uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, and YouTube. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com for the full list of hundred and some podcasts so far. What a horrible film and a horrible film. <laughs> <laughs>